0: This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten.
1: Trout Bitten? Yeah. Trout Bitten. Trout bitten. It's about trout.
0: Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Dominic Swantoski, the owner of Troutbitten and the author of Troutbitten.com. All right, for episode 12 of season three, we're ready to tackle the topic of junk flies. What are they? What's their value? When do they work? And when don't they work? Let me first say a quick thank you to everyone out there who is supporting our Troutbitten sponsors. I've gotten a lot of great feedback on the response to the ads here from the companies themselves. They're seeing the purchases, the usage of their codes, and positive comments. I like these ads. I think they add value to the podcast. It's not an ad for Doritos or Miller Lite, although I like both of those sometimes. It's something from a fly fishing company, and I've always felt the same way about the ad partners I choose for the Trout Piton website. I'm proud to be working with all of these companies, and I appreciate their support. So thank you again to everyone involved. So I think I first heard the term junk fly on a message board over two decades ago, probably. Sure, I'd fished egg flies, worm patterns, and more, for many years. And lots of days, they were some of my best producers. So when I heard the term junk flies, I liked it, and I kind of adopted that label to refer to the section of flies in my box that were a little gaudy, a little over the top, and what I thought at the time were just pure attractor patterns. I've never been a purist. Uh, I fly fish for no other reason but to meet trout on their own terms. A river trout's diet is mostly nymphs, sometimes dry flies, and the occasional bait fish. How can I best present those food forms? It's with a fly rod. There's no question about that. And that's why the fly rod is in my hands. So the jokes about junk flies, the thumbing of noses towards some patterns, has always just made me chuckle. I tie on what the trout eat, plain and simple. If that's what they eat, that's what I'm going to fish. For many years, I referred to myself as a junk fly junkie. It's true. What might commonly be referred to as a junk fly makes its way to the end of my line pretty often. And for certain times of the year, through the summer and through the winter, I lean on junk flies as my go-to staples out there. But my understanding of junk flies has evolved over time. I get it now. You can't just put any kind of bright, flashy materials on a hook and full trout. There's a reason why trout eat these flies. And there's a reason why these patterns shine for so long and then fall off at the end of a season. Also, there's a huge difference between the way stock trout respond to some junk flies versus the way wild trout do. I fish junk flies because they're fun, because trout move to them more than other flies sometimes, mm-hmm. and because I can often see the fly in the water, allowing me to sight fish and learn something. So that's me. Those are some of my thoughts about junk flies, but let's see what the rest of the Trout crew thinks. I'm joined tonight by my good friends, Matt Grobe, Trevor Smith, Austin Dando, Bill Dell, and Josh Darling. How are you guys?
2: Doing good. Hey, you doing well.
3: I need to tie more junk flies. us. <laughs> need to tie more, <laughs> tying them. Yeah.
2: That's, my, that's the way to get my name right, man. Just put me at the end every time, then you can take that nice pause. Josh Darling. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. It's not Jarling. No.
4: It's a hard name, I give you that. Thank you. You say it. Say it three times fast, Austin. <laughs> go. Ready to go. Josh Darling, Josh Darling, Josh Darling. That's pretty good. No, that was
2: pretty good. That's better than I can do.
1: I feel like it comes with an emotion, you know. It's hard to not feel something <laughs> when you of of say food. that. What would you say about emotion, Trevor? <laughs> say like my name. You can't say, jo- when you say Josh Darling, you like, you feel something.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's like when you I see the leaves turn in the fall. I remember thinking, really? Last name's Darling. Josh <laughs> Darling.
3: I Is think it's really a good junk name. fly name. The darling. The, the darling fly. The, the darling. darling. <laughs> just darling. <laughs> yeah. Good I call. I think I got to create that. Good Not call. The
0: darling. Just darling. Size 12 darling. Gonna dangle the darling. Hey, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: dangle a darling in there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> darling has a special purpose. It's sure to fool him. <sighs> hey, Trevor. It's good. Tell us about the weekend. Um, yeah, it was good. Bill and I took my brothers out fishing last was that last week or the week before bill you
0: have two brothers yeah i've got two brothers one older one younger last week
1: last week yeah they were in i haven't seen my older brother in almost five years and wow um we haven't all been together since my wedding so which was Mm. 12 years ago almost so um yeah it was a good time uh my older brother reminded me that he was a better fly caster than i was as a kid so that was fun Did Um, he uh, verbally remind you or did he show you that he was better? It was all verbal. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Although he picked it back up pretty quickly. I was impressed. Um, I gave Bill the slightly harder task uh, because my younger brother hasn't done much fly fishing, but they both got fish and caught good fish. So
0: caught some nice ones. I saw pictures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun then Bill and I kind of raced around and fished streamers where they couldn't reach with the nymphs so, and caught some better fish. So. There you go.
5: <laughs>
1: it was Some of us fun. got them
5: in the net. Some of us didn't.
1: I See, I was trying to make it a team sport and let Bill catch my best fish, but he, yeah. I don't know, he looked like he didn't know what was going on so and then
5: <laughs> let it get away. It's hard to help a guy when he's, there's 20 yards between him and a fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. It's tough. There was miscommunication. It was, yes. It I was thought it was going to be Bill's time to shine, and he thought I knew how to land a fish, so it was tough. Yeah. I, <laughs> back to those net <laughs> at-the-net losses again with your buddy uh, It really was, yeah. He did almost
5: do the blind scoop, though. He mm-hmm, almost got close. Yeah. I, I went yeah. for it, but I think the fish went the other direction. The ghost scoop. Yeah.
3: So who slooped it? Bill or Trevor?
0: <laughs> well, hey, if was on Trevor's line, then Trevor <laughs> slooped. It. it was on my line,
1: so see?
3: I slooped it. Slooped
5: it. It was me. Slooped it. It was me. <laughs> it was. It, it, was a, it was an extended sloop, though. It was. It was like a thirty, forty-second sloopage. Dr- yeah. Drawn-out sloop. <laughs> sloopage. That doesn't so. make the end result any better.
1: <laughs> I was trying to get. Yeah, exactly. More of a chance to
0: see him. It was a perfect I mean,
1: I allowed him to get downstream and then sort of guided him, tried to guide him to Bill. And, you know, it was like it, I was already oh, setting that, myself To challenge up yourself to lose. more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I
5: just, exactly. I showed him how to hook a hook a upper teens fish and land it in eight seconds later on. <laughs> Bill did, <laughs> did. I think you, the
1: fish must have been so scared because Bill yeah. hooked it and then
2: charged it. And I did. I ran like right jumped, at it. Jumped right on it. Probably had yeah. 15 pound mono as his. End section also. Yeah. Yeah, Just, yeah. yeah. I think it was 10 pound.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At that point, I knew they were on streamers, so I wasn't going to play around with anything else. Yeah. It's like night fishing
0: diameter. Night fishing. Yeah,
1: you
5: night
0: guys are about room. to...
5: Yeah. We're about to head out this week.
1: As soon as yeah. I'm done guiding, man, I'll be out there with you. Good, good. Last, week, last year was fun. Although, I feel like two of the times we went out, it was th- actively thunderstorming. So that was a little less convenient
0: oh when you and i were out yeah yeah
1: Yeah, that was fun that was a good night remember we had a tree fall in the water and then the three of us also had yeah 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 we had
2: a good storm together also
3: Mm -hmm. yeah but we still caught fish i need you guys to come out here i need you to come out here and give me a lesson hold
0: your hand while you're night fishing (laughs) hold a bazooka
3: (laughs) it'll be okay matt so i can concentrate (laughs) on fishing
0: (laughs) you're talking (laughs) about the
4: bears yeah, the bear spray perimeter. That's what he needs. Need, we need someone to hold a bazooka. <laughs> Maybe if you get in a boat, you'll be safe.
5: Matt, could you do it in the? Could you do it from a drift boat though? Would it be
0: safer? That's not a bad idea, right? Grizzlies aren't going to climb in your drift boat.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've heard people they float the Madison at night yeah. on like full moon nights. Oh, and Chuck Mouse. That. Why does it have to be a mice? full moon? Yeah. So you can see. I mean, dude, imagine nah. knocking rocks on a a hard side drift boat. That's nah. bad. I've done. <laughs>
0: I've done a few night floats and the, I still say, I mean, just like, uh, when I'm wading, the best night sky conditions are clear sky, no moon, but stars with not too many, uh, or not any, uh, uh, ambient light. Exactly. From like yeah. a nearby town that's glowing up in the sky or something. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you can still see a lot when the eyes adjust and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see really enough to even navigate a boat. We've done it a couple of times with no moon. Still the, you have to know the river sure you yeah. keep fishing Matt you'll catch on to this fishing thing someday someday that'd be pretty special out there though that'd be cool I know hey before we get on to the topic we've had a lot more questions come in this week and I like this one a lot Austin will you
4: read this please yep sure thing thank you all right so this question comes from Tom Burroughs in Waterford Connecticut Dom I have a question for your podcast crew Once in a while I find myself working up a choice piece of water that I know holds fish. I nibble my way up to the sure thing water just in case there is an outlier in the marginal water. Then I move up and fire a cast into the back end of that choice water and it happens. I feel the dead stop of a snag. I've either hung up on a piece of wood wedged between some rocks on the river bottom or some other snag between two rocks. The only way to remove the stag is to disturb the pool. So, the question is, what are the factors that go into your decision to break off and sacrifice the setup so as not to disturb the pool, leaving yourself the ability to still catch a fish in that section? I know my thought process goes in many ways. How long did it take to tie those flies? How crowded is the river? How good is the water? How much time do I have left to fish? Have I already caught fish? And so on. That's Tom's question. Who's got an answer?
3: That's a good question. Um, That's like, a good question. And I think he already, he brings up some really good points there at the end, I right? I mean, those yeah. are some of the things that first came to my mind. Um, Same. And so one of the other things is if I'm targeting big fish in a big fish stream, mm, um, nice. I'll I'll always break off because I feel like they're more spooky mm-hmm. than some of the other fish. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm fishing a Creek that I've always fished before, and I know there's a bunch of 12 to 16 inch fish and it's not mm-hmm. really a big deal. I'll save the fly. Um, and that's an, another, how strapped for time have I been and how important is mm-hmm. that fly? If it's a, if it's a waltz worm, you know, let's break it off. If it's a headbanger, scalping, I might, I might <laughs> go in and get it.
0: Yeah, agree that's two good, sure. Two more good points there. In addition, like you said, he, he, he covered a lot there at the end. You're going to factor all those things in. I do think it's a you know, situational thing. The
5: biggest factor I think for me is whether I think it has a big fish in that run, like Matt said. That's my biggest. Like anything, mm. yeah. anything else, I'm, I'll break it off. If I'm if I'm fairly confident, there's a chance there's a big fish in the run, I'll break it off. Otherwise, I'll go get it. Yeah. Another
4: thing I consider is, you know, some rivers have really good pools or, or spots holding water, and then there's dead water for a good walk until you get to the next good water. Mm. And depending on the distance between the two spots, you know, if it's a good walk, I'm more apt to just go ahead and break off and reset. But if it's another great pocket right up above in the next level, I'll probably just wait in, grab it, you know, throw a cast in or two to see if there's any, um, you know, residual effects and then move on.
3: Mm -hmm. One other thing I'll add is if you're fishing that pool a lot and it's like one of your local streams and it's that stretch you hit all the time, there's a chance that I may go check out to see what that snag is. Um, if I've yeah. done it two, three times, and then I go in there and remove that obstacle. No, um, no, no, no. That's bad mojo. That's bad river mojo.
0: What? You can't remove it. Play it as it lies. No wonder you don't catch fish. <laughs> I mean, if, if
3: it's if it's like a if it's an annoying. What if it's like a piece of trash,
0: a tire? Uh, yeah. If it's yeah. If it's not. Oh. If it's non-native, if it's <laughs> non-native. Then I'm getting it out of there. Sure. If it's like a five-gallon bucket.
3: A burlap sack. There you go. Or a tarp. You never know what you're going to find in the sweetheart hole. (laughs) Never know. That could be anything.
0: Um, I tell my guided clients all the time. I mean, they'll hang up on the river bottom. And sometimes I go get it. and Sometimes I don't. Well, I'm trying to save time out there. And more than to save the fish opportunities. Usually, we're not, not necessarily targeting big fish. And most of my guests are there to learn something. And so if they have to watch me tie knots for two or three minutes... If it's, a, you know, you're going to break things off and it's going to take, you know, three, four, five knots and whatever. If I can tell, it's all going to break off, especially how often go get it if we've already fished a spot. And like Tom said, I mean, all the other factors go into it. Um, have we fished it yet? Do I think it's one of the best spots there? How long will it take? Is it just one fly? I might just break it off if we haven't fished it yet. Anyway, that's sort of my thing. Will I save time by going and getting it? Um, And like Austin said, I might not save time if I have to walk pretty darn far to the next good spot. And like Tom brought up, if there's other anglers, well, I better try to save my spots.
5: Right. So how how long do you play with trying to get that snag out? If I feel like it's a confidence spot where I feel like there's a good fish, I won't spend the time to kind of wait around, jerk it this way, jerk it that way. I'm just going to immediately going to break it off. Because I feel like if I spend more time mm-hmm. moving around and doing that, I'm probably going to spook the fish anyway, so I might as well go get the fly. That's yeah. a
0: nice point. Well, Even if you don't wade too close to get it or do all the different angles, even just breaking it off, I've seen spook fish. That's totally water condition dependent and all that. Yep. I've seen it where I'm hung up on a rock, and I go ahead and I just break it off, and that disturbance in the water sends a fish bolting away from that rock over to the riverbank. Yeah,
1: Two
5: losses. And
0: just that, and that's we think that's maybe the the least disturbance you can have. But it's it'll even that will still spook fish sometimes.
1: All good points. Yeah, Doc concurs. I do. It's doctor approved. That's a pretty thorough answer, right? Yeah. Oh, he asked a good question. I think it
0: set him up. Set him up All
1: for right. a good he, answer. I think. I think so. he
4: knew his answers. He just wanted confirmation. There you
0: go. Yeah. And our answer was, it depends. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Sometimes. Big Fisher bust. <laughs> All right.
0: What are you drinking, Austin? What's that?
4: Is that your own uh, <laughs> pale ale, but yeah. Did you name it? Yeah, it's a new one. No, it doesn't have a name.
3: How can you drink When are you going to name that... a trout bitten ale? I know. How can you? We've
4: well, got one. I'm just waiting for uh, its release. What's it? Is it going to be the trout bitten IPA? It's going to be the trout bitten brown ale. Or what is it? The wild Ooh. brown, wild brown ale. We had a What's name. Like name way? Trout bitten What's wild brown detail? ale. That was it. Wild brown ale. Something. Hmm. It sounds um, delicious. The decal, we'll have to leave it. that up to Mister Jarling. <laughs> Heck yeah, <laughs> he's got his nickname. <laughs> Logo designer. He's gonna dangle one out there for us.
3: Will you make make one called the Angry Waiter IPA, and then Darling can <laughs> make can have me walking through, and like someone in the background because they high hold me. With <laughs> like five guys behind you getting out your fake snag. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's a good idea.
0: Imagine if someone put as much time, thought, and effort into designing fishing apparel as you put into finding fish. Well, someone did. Squalla fly fishing builds waders, jackets, shirts, and pants so well designed, dependable, and comfortable, you hardly notice them. When you're wearing Squalla, you're never hot or wet or unreasonably cold, so you can focus on more important things, like fishing. They don't make gear for everybody, they make gear for us the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squalafishing.com. Then use the code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your first order from Squalla. Since 2010, Smith Creek, New Zealand has provided innovative, high-quality angling solutions designed to free up your hands, keep your gear in easy reach, and keep our waters clean. Smith Creek's award-winning rod clip attaches to your vest and grips a variety of rod sizes, freeing up your hands to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough, using high-quality materials like anodized marine-grade aluminum, non-corrosive fasteners, and UV-resistant nylon. To learn more about other innovative products, such as the patented net holster, spent line wrangler, or rod rack, visit smithcreek.co. That's smithcreek.co. All right, so what's the deal with junk flies? I took a Seinfeld reference there.
3: (laughs) What's
4: the deal? Go ahead. (laughs) Just classic, Jerry. What's the deal with junk flies? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's the topic. Later
0: on, later on, what are we maybe going to be, episode 14 or 15? We're going to do the airing of grievances episode. We're all kind of looking forward to that. (laughs) That should be good. It's another Seinfeld reference for Festivus. For the rest Mm -hmm. of us. That's right. The airing of grievances is what? That's George? No, not George, but George's dad. George's dad. dad it's his
3: parents, yeah.
0: Yeah. And he says, I got a lot of problems with you people,
3: and now you're going to hear
0: about it. <laughs> Frank! <laughs> Frank, that's his <laughs> name. Anyway, that'll be a good one. Uh, so what's the deal with junk flies? All right. Uh, what do you think, guys? Uh, you want to start out by defining the terms again for the yeah, discussion? Yeah, we got to define it. What's a junk fly? Go ahead. To me... I,
1: any, any junk fly in my box is a nymph that I can think of. Do we think they're always nymphs then? Yeah. Anybody have a non-nymph junk fly? Good
0: question.
2: Bill's, uh, Bill's neon Grinch is pretty close. Oh, that's no junk fly. Mm. That's a dream fly.
0: (laughs) Dream fly. Dream fly. (laughs) I don't know. Mm. Never thought of about a streamer really being a junk fly.
3: I was just going to say, I have, I I feel like I could say a, a hippie stomper. Is a junk fly? What's that a dry? It's a dry fly. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like a hybrid beetle slash caddis looking thing, but it's yeah, it's pretty hideous. I could I could <laughs> consider that a junk a junk fly.
0: Hmm. Do other people consider it a junk fly? Do other people call it I mean, a junk fly?
3: I think it's tough to say, right? I feel like for me, the hmm. only junk flies that come to my mind when I hear yeah. the word junk fly is like a mop. An egg and a worm, yeah, and like a green weenie, maybe at at a time was considered junk flies, and I don't know, I don't even know why.
5: (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, that's what I talk about. Yeah, like you better have some
3: ideas about why. I do. I mean,
5: (laughs) I've always considered a junk fly is something that is tied with stuff that you can buy, not in a fly shop. I remember you saying like an egg. You can go. You can go buy grandma's yarn. And then, you know, the, the, <laughs> the mot fly, you can go to auto supermarket and the, the squishy yeah. toy you could Absolutely. use to tie the worms. And so the green weenie, I guess I, I just never considered yeah. it a, a junk fly and the same, like, so yeah. that, that, that's kind of my criteria of a junk fly. If you can, if you can buy the materials, you, you can still a buy place. a big skein of yarn. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But what happens when the fly shop starts carrying the, this material? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and
5: all of them do now.
0: Maybe it's its origins. Maybe the origins. It's a origin. Define it as a junk fly. Yeah, maybe. I always kind of thought of them as just uh, well egg patterns, uh, worm patterns, and then yeah, the, whatever the mop would be considered. Yeah, we're talking about the green weenie. There was a red hot. Remember the Remember the red hot? The same guy who came up hmm. with the uh, green weenie, Fred Bridges originally. I don't know now. Fred Bridges wasn't the green weenie guy, but Fred Bridges came out with uh, it. the IPW, infamous pink worm. Right, and Fred Bridges also then had a red hot version. He called it the red hot. It's like a version of the green weenie. Remember the honey bugs? Anybody ever fish honey bugs? No. My okay. So my very first junk fly. I swear, I just remember, I just remembered this was from uh, Woody Banks over at Indiana Angler. He's like, try this. Mm. I remember. <laughs> and it Woody. was right. Woody's awesome. Mm. He's still there, and. Um, Uh, it was just a yarn tied on a hook. There was no tail. It wasn't long either. It wasn't, it wasn't a long, extra long hook. And it was just yarn on a hook, man, just wrapped around in three different colors. It was like a cream. And then there was like a a honey colored, like a yellowish off yellow. And I think it was a purple. Maybe that was a junk fly. And now you buy the, you'd buy that probably bill in a craft store. Grandma's yarn bin. Anyway, those are all junk flies. I, I think. And, um, they are flashier. They are brighter. They're odd. I always say, let's show them some color. Because they're all colorful. Is there any junk fly that's not colorful?
1: Hmm. I mean, I think the tan mop is probably a little bit like subdued. But Fair But it's still, a, it's a color. And, it, and I think it makes up for in size, maybe what it lacks in, right. in color. I think they're bigger food forms then too, right? Yeah. Then yeah. let's say, you know, your size, average size 14 nymph. Whatever. It I think be. it's like an, I think of it like an exaggeration, like all mm. junk flies are some sort of exaggeration in color or in size.
5: Mm.
1: Um, and so it, the tan mop
5: is like an exaggerated size maybe. But That's neat. Yeah. yeah but the, the crane fly larvae, some of that crane fly larvae right. is like an inch and a half to two inches long. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that kind of gets Here we us go. to be
3: trying to justify our junk flies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. like I said, I don't care to justify them. Like I fish them because that's what that's what trout eat.
2: You know.
1: Right.
0: Right. No justification needed.
2: It's hard for me to consider like an egg a junk fly. Yeah, because it's not. It's not really even an exaggeration, honestly. Right. Like when yeah. you see them, that's what they look like. Right. If, yeah. Like if we're gonna say
4: maybe to green weenie, it's hard to call mm-hmm. an egg a junk fly. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: I understand that yeah. point of view.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: I think maybe there's a correlation that uh, happens between fly fishermen or, you know, for the fly fishing world and the spin fishing world. And any time that we feel like or the community of anglers in the fly fishing community feels like a a piece of the spin fishing lure or tackle makes its way over Mm. into the fly fishing tackle, there's like a stigma. So, you know, they fish worms. Okay. They fish grubs. Okay. There's a mop. All right. We fish eggs or beads. Okay. There's our eggs. And uh, you know, maybe that's something to consider. That's a yeah. fantastic Could point. Be. I never realized that. I think it's
5: yeah.
1: totally true. Yeah. It's almost like that a little bit of that elitism can
5: if we got it from them, it's junk.
4: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just
5: straight to junk category. <laughs> but there are people putting lips and different things on streamers now to create like yeah. that rapala action sure uh, sure but they're not considered junk flies though
0: yeah i hear that like uh bill i actually have some of those uh and i've you ever put their little propellers on the front <laughs>
5: you can, uh, dude you know me
0: that, i haven't gone that far yet you guys know me dude i'll try i'll fish anything I'll a little windmill <laughs> i'll fish anything i just love
3: testing stuff out i don't care what anybody else thinks about it right it's fun do anything once right well how many times have you heard dom though like that, that oh that That's cheating. No, right. Right. When you're, when you're fishing a junk fly and I don't know where that comes from. It's like, what do you, wait a second. What do you mean it's cheating? Like, why do you care in the first place Mm. what I'm fishing, but to comment on other people's choices when it's not tactically bad for the fish or, or anything like that. To me, I've never quite understood that piece of the sport. And maybe it comes from, I mean, isn't like other countries like in Scotland and whatnot those chalk streams are pretty strict on what you can fish like you can't you can't fish nymphs and stuff maybe there's something there don't come to PA area don't come to the states because you'll be appalled that's right by the way we fish (laughs) that's right
2: yeah I think we'd all agree that like if I mean the the goal is to be effective fishermen and to fool fish and if we thought that we could do that with a rooster tail or something that's what we would be doing if we thought we could do it better with that yeah and I've tried it Mm -hmm. yeah So there's no cheating, you know? No. Matt, what you were saying, um, I
0: think people have, there's this assumption that they're just, they're going to work all the time. Oh, well, if you fish a pink worm, hey, then you're cheating. No. Now, I do think a lot of this comes from people fishing over stock trout and especially freshly stocked trout. And my gosh, they are very gullible for almost every junk fly in my box. That's true. Uh, Yeah. Not all the time. Yeah. But quite often they're way more gullible than a wild trout or even a stock trout that's been in there for a little while. But if I know I'm fishing over really freshly stocked fish, I'm often going to get a a pink worm out or some kind of worm pattern or an egg pattern or a mop. It's it's that bright stuff and, well, these junk flies that will often uh, get me the most stocked fish. And I think that's where a lot of this does come from. And then people will assume like, oh, well, I just, hey, you can just bang up on those fish all day wherever you go. No, you can't. No, you can't. Junk flies will work around here on these wild trout and on other trout streams in the right conditions, given the right circumstances, but not all the time. Nothing is a given, nothing's a guarantee by any means. Yeah, I find that a lot of
1: times there's like cer- certain junk flies will turn on maybe one, either more aggressive or even one bigger fish in a run where maybe you fished through. Like mm. there, there are times where I have fished through a section and run back through it with a junk fly and I may only pick up one more fish that I didn't pick up you know, nymphing a more traditional pattern. And yet the fish I do pick up is a higher end fish in that run, Mm -hmm. maybe because it's a larger food form or, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, that's kind of, I think my own theory about it, but. Do you think it's because they'll, they'll move further for them? Yeah. They're, they're more, they didn't accept my poor drift. So then you know, mm-hmm. only when I dangle a larger piece of bait, do they say like, oh, it's a crappy drift, but I'll take his bait. Cause it looks bigger. Uh, now. <laughs> <know> that. <laughs> dangle a
2: darling, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, maybe that's it. Maybe they feel like it's worth the pursuit
5: yeah. a little bit See, more,
1: or there's something about it that is attractive. Yeah.
5: Billy, you have an idea? I have not, I, I guess I'm, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't, in recent, memory i cannot remember catching a large fish on a junk fly oh my
0: no 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 i catch some of my biggest trout of the year on eggs green weenies and worms and sometimes a mop i just don't fish a mop that much hmm. yeah no i've Not caught for a me of anyway. fish on a green weenie oh uh, i catch a ton on big gun on, on i catch on a ton but i but i well you i'm just saying it, a ton you of probably of, fish it what, more than me a ton of ton like a little a awesome. high percentage i do that's the thing I remember the last time we were were talking about junk flies in season one. We just did it like as a a question in the beginning of one of the episodes. I I remember you saying that now, like you didn't fish them much, but you were also not considering some of the flies at that time, junk fly.
4: Yeah, (laughs) That's when I argued,
5: Bill, and I said, no, I fish them less. Yeah, (laughs) right, right, right. Right. No, man, I fish an egg all winter. I've caught big fish on eggs, but the other junk flies, like the weenies and the mops and the worms, I can't remember catching a big Mm -hmm. fish on one of those wow my biggest fish is on a uh, cream mop Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i could tell you a bunch of stories about some of my bigger fish yeah yeah being on uh whatever uh dude you're uh trevor your halloween fly
1: yeah my halloween yeah my halloween fly that thing has a special place yeah i mean that's a big fish fly that thing has a special role i mean josh was with me one day on a stream around here where that was kind of the thing that was the fly Yeah. Is that seasonal or is that all year round for you, Trevor? It's seasonal. And it's even within the season, it might be just one or two days. Honestly, I feel like when the water's up. It's like when the water's up at a certain time of year. I still need to
0: fish it. Trevor has his own junk fly. Yeah. Maybe it's a super fly.
3: I I think that's a regional junk fly because I swear mops don't work out here. It could be. What color though? That's the thing. I just can't. I I couldn't. I think, Dell. I think when you came out here, you tried fishing a mop, but I've fished it and just can't. Get it to work. I, I hear how magic it is out there, and I just, yeah. I just can't get it to work out here. I
0: don't feel like it's magic by any means. I fish no. a tan one because I think it looks like a crane fly larva, and I and I fish a, a green one because it looks like that rhycofilia larva. I'm sure mm. I said that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that. There's a there's a uh, free living caddis that is pretty darn big, and um, hmm. yeah, it doesn't make a case and it just kind of hangs out down there, rolls around, and it gets you know. Uh, almost in, what, three-quarters of an inch long, probably. It's very bright green. It's uh, lighter green on the bottom, uh, darker green on the top. It's not chartreuse. It's not as chartreuse as, like, a green mop. But it's, uh, I believe that's why they eat it, no doubt about it. For
1: sure. I do think, I think it's rare that there's not, like, an impression that that junk fly is giving of a real food source. But often, like, as we've been talking about from the beginning, the like, an egg, a worm, these are, like, these aren't impressions of real... Food these are absolutely almost lifelike impressions of yeah. actual food, and, and then so, it's an exaggeration like you yeah, said. yeah, exactly, like that exaggeration, whether the color's a little brighter or mm. whether it 's a little bigger or whatever
4: see that's where I think it goes back to that live bait theory, mm. you yeah. know maybe that's what it is, live bait, not necessarily uh you know spin fishing lures, but huh. you know uh, uh, you know a real live worm or whatever, yeah, mm. Except that all streamers, you know, would fall into the minnow category. Well, I'm going to separate, you know, bait fish from worms or eggs. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yep. Sure. So I, why don't, you Austin, why don't you fish them? Good question. Uh, I don't really have a good reason. He's an elitist. He's a nymph purist. <laughs> no. A nymph I, uh, purist. I, have, I fish eggs, absolutely. And I fish some yeah. squirmies. I don't do that great on them. Um, they're pretty conditional for me and, yeah. you know, I just, um, I don't do well enough on them. They keep them in a regular rotation for mops. I fish them plenty and they just never impress me very much. And I, I just don't feel compelled to, to have them around really. Mm-hmm. Cause you're an elitist.
1: <laughs> I feel like I ride the hot hand, you know, like I feel like junk flies, they they have a place in my box because if the fishing is difficult I will cycle through maybe two or three of them. And if I find something there, which often I do when the fishing's otherwise hard, then I'll yeah. just like ride that ride that for a while, you know, until it, until it proves that it's not going to work any longer.
4: And I guess my thought process there is like, okay, everything else I'm fishing isn't working, so I'm going to put this on. Well, yeah, it's already slow. That should be the first thing I put on then every time mm-hmm. I fish.
0: Well, like I said, for me, Lots of times, junk flies are my first fly out. Okay. Right now, in the summer, as we are starting to really get into summertime, it's like the first fly I'm putting on. In the wintertime, like all winter long, I'm throwing one of my two egg patterns. That's my first, that's my go to. Mm-hmm. And lots of times, like Trevor was saying, I don't know, maybe that Halloween fly becomes your mm-hmm. first when you see that, uh, the dirty water conditions. For yeah. me, often a pink worm really is one of the first things I'm going to throw out them during the yeah. dirty water conditions or an orange egg. um or something else bright one of the maybe a green mop it is it's like a first choice for me i i always feel like when people say well i tried that when nothing else was wasn't wasn't working but it didn't work i'm like well that's because the fishing maybe it's just because the fishing was already slow fishing was bad already it's not a fair test right so Mm -hmm. yeah you should should you know if you have whatever fly you're gonna test whether it's a junk fly or not you should give it a fair shot like that put it on as a first choice for a while yeah
3: yeah the more I hear you talk, the more I feel like we sh- that mm. some of those flies shouldn't be called junk flies because we're like talking about matching the hatch, basically. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's the th- thing I think really to talk about. I think, like Trevor's saying, every one of these junk flies that work for us um, look like something in the water. You can go through. Okay, the worms, the pink worm, what's it look like? Aquatic worm. It yeah. looks like an aquatic worm, right? But it's, yeah. it has that exaggeration of whatever color. Often it's, well, it's, in this case, it's pink, right? You can use white mm-hmm. ones. I sometimes use purple. Purple, orange, mm-hmm. okay? For me, it's almost always pink, and I've tried the other colors. But everybody's going to find their own. But it looks like a <laughs> It looks like a worm. That's yeah. it. Um, the eggs, and we call them junk flies because so many other people will call them that. But to us, they're not junk like a, I guess when we use the word junk, to me anyway, it doesn't mean like, it's junk. That's junk. It won't work. It's more like, right. I don't know why. But it's see, not, to me,
3: a junkier fly is like a hothead, soft tackle pheasant tail with like a gaudy, you know, orange or pink yeah. bead. Fair they, they should all be considered junk.
0: Well, if that worked, maybe it would catch on and become <laughs> like something that everybody fished.
3: Yeah. Right.
0: I think all these junk flies we're talking about too, that we kind of named are things that lots of people have found lots of success with. Cause sure. for some reason the trout, eat them like i said kind of in the intro like i learned you can't just throw a bunch of goofy materials or here let me look at let me find the three brightest materials in my box and then put some hairs here around it too it -hmm. won't work if it does great go share it with, with other people and see if it'll catch fish for them too
4: tactical fly fisher was started in 2015 by fly fishing team usa angler Devin olson with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy a nymphing rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered. And our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to thetacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle.
0: Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. For me, like Matt, you said mops wouldn't work for you, right? And I've tried, like I tried everything. I tried orange mops. I tried the, uh, like the salmon-colored mops. I tried purple ones, uh, even like white ones. None of those really produced for me. It, I caught a couple fish maybe on each one, but I, I took them out of my box once they didn't work. But man, that tan one really hit for me. And definitely the green one did, but I already kind of knew that would because the green weenie works. Anything chartreuse like that kind of gets their attention.
3: I've heard some folks tell me in a particular poll... On the mm-hmm. uh, in Yellowstone National Park in, in and in a famous river, I've caught fish on a purple worm before mm-hmm. that I've heard people tell me it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you guys ever dealt
0: with that? They're jealous. Oh, I, my My way of dealing with it is not to give a shit, I really care, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dalton, you're good at that. But I think it's silly because. Here you you can't throw a pink worm or a purple worm or any of these junk flies out there and get a bad drift in them and them still take it. It's rare anyway. It's right. mm-hmm. it's you still yeah. have to get a good drift. That kind of goes back to what I was saying about the stockies. I mean, yeah, stockies do a lot of weird things, and especially when you put some weird looking flies in front of them.
5: So I think I think the less pressured the fish are, I think the easier they're easier they are to catch on these junk flies because they see something hit the water. So often when I'm fishing like freestone streams that are more yeah. remote and have less pressure, mm-hmm. I'm green weenie all day because I know that it's more about them seeing the fly than me throwing like a size 18 hares ear at them. Right
0: on. I think the same holds true though up top too with a dry fly. With fish, that are less pressured. I mean, I could throw bigger flies and maybe over, yeah. over-hackled flies or a royal wolf at them or something like that. But you're not going to do that I'm on some of our uh, spring creeks right now or with a sulfur hatch after they've been
4: seeing sulfurs for five weeks. Tom, I think you raised a good point there of each one of these flies uh, fishes differently, meaning that if you pick up you know, a mop, an egg, and a worm, and you try to mm. drift them the same exact way as one uh-huh. another, they're not going to work equally. You know, a mop yeah. is... Uh, A fly that, you know, becomes heavy and sometimes um, Mm -hmm. drifts slow on the bottom and you kind of have to work with a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Worms, it depends on how you build that fly, put weight in it. If you don't put weight in it, okay, where do you put that weight? That affects how it performs. So it's hard to say that, you know, one is better than the other, one's junk and one's not because it still requires skill and thought. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, sure. It's a
1: good point. Devin Olson had an article uh, that you could probably find online about the mop. And his theory was after fishing it, he felt like he caught more fish, whether it was on the tag nymph or on the point fly. He just felt like he caught more fish sometimes with it on his rig. And mm-hmm. his theory was that the drift that it created in sort of hugging the bottom created yeah. a a stable a stability in that tag fly right that the fish keyed in on or you know there was something to do with how it created a drift or was that about drifted. the
5: mop yes it was okay yeah. yeah that makes sense so the mop gets saturated and the mop almost becomes neutrally buoyant at some point like if you take your standard let's say a size 10 hairs ear with a three millimeter bead on it It's going to, when it sinks, it's going to continue to sink to the bottom, but there's something with the mop and the fact that that material like saturates where it will sink near the bottom and it'll almost like hug. Like it's, it's way easier to control. Like I feel like it's a great, I don't know. I I like it very much for a guide fly because if someone is having trouble kind of staying in that strike zone, at the bottom that Mm -hmm. mop fly is kind of i don't want to say it's the easy button but it's as close to a fly that i've seen as making the easy button for being able to control the depth if you're struggling
1: i think the challenge with it is that you have to make a nice tuck cast to get it down early you know Mm, because it can if you make a sloppy cast it'll ride higher than you want
3: it to for like the first
1: quarter or third that's true too yeah
5: that's a good
2: point
3: Another theory to that could just be, and and Dom, I think you write about it well with the whole tractor-trailer method of fishing, that those fish could just be coming over to look at a godly, ugly mm-hmm. tractor fly and then mm-hmm. take the tag nymph mm-hmm. and it almost, yeah. it almost lures it over. And I've seen that yeah. a lot of times. I've seen those, those, we'll call them junk flies, just pull fish in from different areas for yeah. whatever reason and those fish check that out and then they'll take the smaller natural fly.
0: Right on. Yeah. I remember you and I talking about that. I call it a uh, bait and switch, the bait and switch. Bait yeah. and switch. Yeah. Yeah, Bring yeah, them in like that. and then they go, eh, I'm not going to eat. It. Whoa, what's this little uh very natural pheasant tail thing?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 No, I do that bait and switch a lot. It works. I do it all winter long. Uh and sometimes I'll put well, the switch up on the uh, on the, up on a tag, but not too far away. Maybe only 12 inches up. Above my point fly,
1: yeah,
0: uh, and lots of times I though like I'll that. run, let's say, a zebra midge or a WD forty, both like size twenties, um, as a as a trailer, maybe though twelve inches behind the egg, literally trailed, you know, off off the either the bend or back out of the eye of the egg, mm. and that's a real bait and switch because you got to figure the see in the egg, and then they're well coming right behind it. If things are going drifting the way we think they are, then the, maybe the WD forty is the second thing they see. Hmm. I was just
2: going to ask what you guys think. What is it about the mop that makes it? You, Bill, you said it was like the easy button. What is it about that fly that that makes it drift like that? It's the. Is it just that it's upside down, you know, and it's, no. and the, it's heavy? No, no, no. Th- it has nothing I to do think, with
5: being upside down, I don't think. I think, yeah. I think it's the material itself. So, like, it's almost like a sponge. Yeah. Like, if you if you put a mm. sponge in water, it's going to absorb the water, and it's not going to sink. It's going to kind of float there. Yeah. Where, like, if yeah. you have something else that absorbs water, it may sink to the bottom. Where it's almost yeah. just not just quite sound, as buoyant yeah. as a sponge. It's something with that material that it's made of.
0: I think it's the material as well. And I also just think that you can get a very, very similar thing out of a, I don't know, a stone fly that has a bunch of legs on it, you know? It it wants to hold its seam. Any material, any fly that you can build so it really, well, it has some material resistance to it. It's going to drift a lot different and it's going to sink different and then it's going to hold that seam, whatever seam it's in. And I'm talking uh, the vertical column, you know, if it's low, it wants to stay low. And if even it's hard to pull it off track sideways, you know, accidentally pull it out of its seam and stuff, you know, to c- accidentally cross and there, you're not really dead drifting then. I, I find that to be beneficial with the mop, but I, I have plenty of other flies that can kind of do that. You know, that's it, so different than like the, the polar opposite of that is a paratagon, you know, it's going to go down and it, it can slice through whatever seams it wants to.
3: Is that a junk fly? No. Yeah even the pink ones? <laughs>
0: if you want it to be. Fair point yeah, the though. Rainbow Warrior, right? You can throw out Are a lot Are you mad of... about pink Pertagons?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just sticking up for all junk flies. I think they get a bad name. <laughs> Me too. I love the junk
2: flies. The other thing was it sounded like you were the way you were describing the, the mop being used was kind of like a drop shot just to smooth out the the ride of that top one or to control mm. the speed of maybe the fly that you're expecting them to take.
0: I will say when I drop shot, though, I actually want bottom contact, tick, to tick, mm-hmm. tick. You don't have to do it that way, but that's what I use drop yeah. shot for. And I can really feel that. Like the drop shot slices through the water like a paragon, mm-hmm. You know, it really does. Yeah. Whereas the mop, mm, let's say if the mop does bounce off a rock and it kind of goes up, well, then it's going to fall slower. It's like a streamer that has a whole bunch of marabou or, or, or hackle on it. It doesn't fall straight back down. Like another streamer, well, that has less material. That's all. Yeah. Mm. And so it, yeah. anything that just cuts through the water. And anyway, the drop shot will really cut through the water. You could do the same thing with split shot presentations as well. Um, I'll bring that up. I actually fish most of my junk flies with split shot. I have perhaps a strange... <laughs> uh, Love for Must it. be a spin guy. No, no, no. I like split shot. But uh, my opinion, like I think worms just drift a lot better with split shot in front of it, about five inches in front. It puts me literally out of touch with that worm. I do the same thing on an egg, I mean, all winter long. When I bead my eggs, I do not catch as many fish on those eggs. I just 100% believe it, that if I give that fly a little bit of freedom, I say like five inches of grace around that, you know, I'm really in touch with the split shot. Um, And then the fly has, well, five inches of grace to just kind of do its thing. That works for me better with worm patterns, egg patterns, and I'll say crest bugs.
3: (laughs) I need to try that again. That's a good that's good. I'm gonna A A, B test that because it's Mm -hmm. been I used to do that all the time when we winter fished back back in PA. Like that was that tactic that we all kind of you know initiated when we went out. And then I got away from it from a long time. And I would be curious to see if my success goes up fishing that way. I'll let you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a whirl.
0: Well, I tie eggs that are beaded every year. Every winter I fish them. I probably tie 20. I want to say whatever like that. Um, same thing with uh, green weenies. I'll tie them. Because, I, Bill, I know you fish without split shot all the time with green weenies. And I, I'm sure you catch almost as many as I do
5: maybe maybe hey, that's hey, I, I, hey, I, 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 so almost. i was gonna i was gonna bring this up because i i do feel like you're most of your junk flies you're not waiting and most of my junk flies i do wait and hey yeah. maybe that's why you're catching the bigger I might maybe because there's a difference my mops i think are the only ones that i wait so do you do you overweight the mop like how when do you're you mean tying, so when you tie hmm? a mop let's like what 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 size tungsten bead are you putting on it or are you putting lead on it too or 4 and yeah all of my beaded flies
0: get a little bit of lead wraps approximately the diameter of the hook shank behind the bead uh five six wraps whatever to about mid mid shank and then i and then i go over that with thread all
5: right so you're you're probably you're probably a little your mops are probably heavier than mine i feel like i've settled on slightly somewhere three somewhere around 3.3 to 3.5 and then i'm used i I, but i don't put any lead on them because i'm lazy actually
0: I think it's quicker to put the lead on it holds it faster than like a whole bunch of thread wrap
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes sense we
0: should have a we should have a battle someday choose your fighter oh, i like it
2: the battle of the junk let's let's do choose let's do, fighter uh, let's do you <laughs> put <laughs> tying
4: battle films oh i'll beat
2: him
0: i'll beat
4: him i
5: don't
0: know
4: <laughs> bet on me uh, that'd be the worst thing in fly fishing we could ever do no we be like, awesome. like you want live instagram I'll, you want to speed tie me <laughs> We don't, no one needs to see that.
0: We're going to have a knot tying <laughs> uh, battle too. That'd be good. Well, I think it should be speed no, and so quality. That is the last thing. I don't want to compete with anything, right? No competing in fly fishing.
5: You know. Do you, so do you put, so on your mops, are you putting, are you putting dubbing on the front of them or are you just straight mopping it? Nah, I'm just mop. I, you know, I tried it with dubbing in front. It doesn't make a difference. I don't think. Mop purists
4: will, uh will just say mop you don't purist. need the mop. Or yeah. you don't need the uh dubbing. Only mops. That's right. The mop the only mop. That's yeah. funny. The the mop purists. Yeah, they're out there.
5: Yeah, who <laughs> you are?
1: They're out there. <laughs> um, do you guys? Does the term "junk fly" bother you at all? Just no. the word?
0: No, I like it. It's a term of endearment at this point. Yeah. Do you think people actually? Are there, do you actually know people who lo- like look down on these flies? 100 percent. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, for oh, real. 100%. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, big time. I feel like yep. it's just a like a running joke. Like, oh yeah, everybody just kind of. Oh, I'll put this egg on.
3: I think there's a there's a contingent of people that there's only one way to catch a fish, and that's with the dry fly. And I think uh, there's a large group of individuals that that maybe not a large group. There's a percentage of anglers out there that believe that that's the way to target fish is with a dry fly. Yep, and uh and then if they do convert, like only would, would they nymph, you know, during winter months. But there's there's still this, you know, look looking down upon the worm, the 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 egg, you know, things like that. Without a doubt, and and I, I hear it enough to know it's still prevalent out there.
4: That's silly. Heck, those are the folks who still look down on your pheasant tail too, you know. Sure, unless
0: it's fished directly upstream, you know, and sight fished yeah. right. in a chalk stream. Mm-hmm. With your tweed jacket on yeah, <laughs> and your pipe. Right? So look,
3: I think it's cool. It's fine if that's the way you choose to fish, but don't don't start, you know, questioning right. how others are catching fish. That's a little crazy because at the end of the day, it, it is just fishing.
0: I do think that whole, well, we said cheating earlier. Some people want to look down on it because they think it's cheating. Well, it just, it works all the time. Well, again, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not in our waters. Not in the waters I've ever fished. You're not going to find any pattern that just works all the time. And then Matt, you and I talked not too long ago about how like the squirmy worked so well at first. and Now it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Y'all beat it up too much,
1: you know? Sure. I think if somebody is saying it works all the time, like it's sort of a tell that they probably have not fished there you go. nymphs or not fished junk flies. And so they're just looking at it as another, you know, like that's something other people do mm-hmm. and they have to sort of
0: rationalize why they don't do it. It is a tell to me that they are not very experienced anglers, mm-hmm. sure,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had three three good days on it, and that means it's good all the time.
0: Catches fish all the time, right.
2: Do you guys think that junk flies
1: are more prone to getting burned like fish are more prone to getting burned out on a junk fly than they are a like a more natural it's presentation: good.
0: yeah, sure, yeah, good thought, yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: I wonder why that is, whether it is it sticks in their memory longer. You know, because it's it's brighter?
0: or It's that extreme form, Mm -hmm. and let's say it's pink. Oh, that's that real bright pink fly. I don't really see that naturally, but I'm very curious. I'm going to go eat that. It's pink. Oops, it got caught again. Or they just see, whatever, they can see it. We've mentioned before, I don't believe they need to actually get caught on it to learn to reject it. They start to see it, and they start to go, okay, wait a second. Everything that's really hot pink down here is not real. I'm not eating that. And that's easier than I think, for them to distinguish. Yeah. Then all sure. the brown things. You can put something right. brown down there that has a little bit of something different, and that's your new right. fly. Mm. And, and there's so many brown things that yeah, are yeah. real. Yeah. Right. Of course. I do think it's pretty neat how far everything has come. You know, there were, I mean, even when I started back in the 90s, uh, there was still that holdover. I mean, and maybe it was still very prominent. Like, well, I just fish dries. Well, no, I just fish dries. So, oh, nymphing. Mm, I don't really do that. I just fish dries. And, yeah. I don't think there's so much of that anymore. I understand so, there's some cert- certain locations, certain areas of the country, but there's a lot more open-mindedness.
5: Hmm. Yeah,
3: especially if you fish more than two you know, prime time, right? Yeah. Like I, I get why people come out, you know, if you're going to central Pennsylvania the month of May, yeah. You know, you could, you could boast that you never put on a nymph. I hear that a lot. Well, I didn't yeah, yeah. put on a nymph all day mm, and that's cool. Right. And that, and that, that time frame makes sense. And out here coming up, there's going to be two and a half months that, yeah, I, I probably won't nymph nearly as much just because I like to catch fish on big attractor dry flies. Like yeah, but that's not the most successful thing to do. All season, like you're saying, Dom, right? Like you know, if you really want to catch fish and open your mind to everything, you need to adapt and open your mind to other mm-hmm. ways because there's a lot more successful ways to catch fish year-round than, you know, thinking you're gonna throw a dry fly all the time.
0: Yeah. And then even as far as nymphs goes, well, I use junk flies as nymphs to be versatile. <laughs> you know, they don't always eat the hairs here and the pheasant tail and the waltz worm and whatnot. And okay, let me see if they'll eat this uh Braider colored thing last point for me i kind of feel like goofing around with junk fly patterns and adding a little bit of this or doing what trevor did with the halloween fly is uh is fun you know and mm-hmm. you you can really do something different well with a new color or something a little flashy you can really get their attention and then well yeah maybe trail something behind it it's real natural it's neat they're also
5: very inexpensive to tie you know, if you want to really start to tie intricate patterns, it's going to cost you a decent amount of money to get involved in it versus, you know, if you get down to auto supermarket and grab a mop, you know, you got you got a lifetime supply of uh, mop flies at that point. Yep. And they're easier. Yeah. I mean, a beginner
2: can tie a great looking junk fly. Right. Every fly we've mentioned is uh,
0: very easy to tie. Yeah. Uh, with the, maybe the exception of that squirmy. It's kind of
5: tough because sure. of the yeah once you get the technique
0: it's good right yeah but it wants to slip
5: so much at first you go how do i ever put this on a hook but you get it it's easy do you want to explain the technique or do you want to hold that near near to your heart
0: i feel like that's something you can't hardly explain but if you you want
4: to try sure so (laughs) i I guess
5: i I guess i'll explain how i tie it when i put the worm on the hook so to speak um i cover the hook with thread then i Mm -hmm. cover it with a pink dubbing that is very similar to the shade of the worm or if it's a yep. pink or a brown and then i will dub the thread like straight dub the thread and coat the thread and dubbing just twisting it on the thread and there. then i go over the worm once and then um i go over twice and then i move the thread off uh then i begin to tie that lasso that i've gone around the mop i tie that to the hook shank it's mm. very similar to if you've ever if you go out and you watch like a true fly tying video of how to tie like deer hair on a caddis like you know how you kind of circle it once and then you tie that lasso basically to yeah, the, i gotcha. to the hook shank yeah. that's how i mm-hmm. tie them
0: I, if i got you right you're saying that you actually put dubbing on the thread, and that's that's the that's what's holding the worm down for the first wrap too.
5: Yep, that's slick. If you if you put if you don't do that, the thread mm-hmm. will cut through that material real quick De- when you try to right switch it down. Depending on the
0: uh, the diameter of the thread, but yeah, that's a that's yeah. a cool way to do it. I tend to use uh, what two ten denier thread for that, and so it doesn't cut through and it holds pretty well. It's waxed as well, but it's a different way to do it. I I like that. That's an easier way to do it, with the even if I'm using 210 denier, I might as well go ahead and put that little bit of dubbing around uh, the thread that's going to hold down the first part of the worm. That's slick. I like that because I dub mine too. I put a little dubbed body underneath. Almost no matter what, because we're talking about different worm patterns. You know, you got squirmies. Uh, Matt, what's the material? Grub, Grub secret worm. Oh, can't talk about that one. Grub has a secret material, which is a new pink worm. That's a new super fly. Super fly. Trying to make it a super fly, and um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the old, yeah, the old school IPW, which is a really hot pink verniel. Um, I still use that. I what swear, I back. I'm catching more fish on that chenille. You know, you could. That's forget. the classic
5: San Juan. But you that's mean verneil yeah.
0: Now you learned something, okay. Matt. See, that's why you're
5: Mike. here. I, Go ahead, order some chenille Vernil? and try to put that on it. Yeah, verniel. Yeah.
3: No, that's how they used to. That's how they used to tie them.
5: Right, with the real, it's like a real tight,
0: skinny chenille. It's the stiffer stuff. Yeah.
3: It's like a super skinny
5: chenille. I know, but you got to stop calling it chenille. It's like ultra thin. It's got a different core. Like chenille has a thread core, verneal has like a plastic core. Yeah, guy. Yeah. Tell them, bud.
3: Tell them. Listen, I was fishing the San Juan back in 98, so I'll send you a (laughs) picture of this.
5: (laughs) You weren't fishing, you weren't fishing chenille. It won't, it won't work. It's, it's too limp. It's
0: too limp. It's All thinner. Shit. It's a tighter thing, man. You just don't even know your chenilles and verniels. We might not have you back on.
5: <laughs> you head down to FFP and get the right kind. I know. Wow. That's right. That's right. FFP. Old
0: school. Yeah. We can uh, debate that later. Maybe I'll. If, if I'm wrong, I'm definitely taking out the verneal part. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Anything else, guys?
5: Yeah, hold on here. I'll tell you the difference between the two. I googled it. We're the, still fighting the, about chenille. Uh, chenille. So, I'm just saying so, that's
3: what we used to tie it with. Well, I'm just yeah. saying
5: you're wrong. That was a, that's a classic
3: San Juan worm.
5: So uh, here, I, I googled it. They're saying the same thing. The more important feature, the core of chenille is cotton, cotton thread, and the in the core of chenille is sort right. of a plastic thread.
0: Do they say plastic? Yeah. It's thinner. That's all. I well, it's stiffer. Stiffer. Right. Mm. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Does anybody actually have anything else? And then we'll get out of here. Mm, I do Good. I don't think so. Oh, well, we covered it all. That's all you need to know about
1: junk flies. We've made peace with the junk fly.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. We might have uh, even converted a couple of purists. Hope I don't so. think they listen to this podcast anyway. No, they'd be offended. Yeah, by almost everything. Delicate sensibility. <laughs> they would have been offended a long time ago. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> as soon as those guys started talking about the mono rig, I was out
3: of there. Mm. Once Dell did a fly tying tutorial on a squirmy, we, we
5: went, eh. I, yeah, I taught, I, I taught Dom something about how to tie that damn worm.
0: That's pretty good. I do like that. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. The junk fly episode. These patterns are staples in our fly boxes. Each of us has a few favorites, and some of us lean on them more than others. So a few anglers out there refuse to tie on junk flies. Maybe they even roll their eyes at the notion of using anything that doesn't meet their definition of a suitable fly. Honestly, I'd suggest not hanging out with those people. And while junk flies are sometimes used as pure attractors, what works most, what works best, are flies that truly represent a familiar food form to the trout. If that's bright green, if it's a hunk of mop material, if it's fuzzy egg yarn or a squirmy piece of rubber, So be it. The fact is, trout eat a lot more than just mayflies and caddisflies down there. And every one of the junk flies in my box really does match the hatch or match the moment. But for me, that's beside the point. I fish flies that trout eat. And if they move a little further for a brightly colored fly someday, if bigger trout are attracted to a larger, more bold food form, then that's what I'll fish. Junk flies are never a sure thing they are simply another option to help solve the daily puzzle on the river. Trevor, will you read us out? Sure thing.
1: Remember, the Troutbitten project is a free resource for all anglers. The Troutbitten website hosts over 800 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips and more. Find what you like by way of the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags too. Also be sure to find the Troutbitten YouTube channel currently featuring the trout bitten tip series in collaboration with wilds media these are short useful and unique tips for your fly fishing life thank you for listening to the trout bitten podcast please give the show a five-star rating on apple podcasts and leave a comment because that really helps until next time friends fish hard enjoy the day and find your life on the water
2: He's a nymph purist to
5: me. Five gallon bucket. It's good all the time. Big Fisher bust. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't care what anybody
5: else thinks about it. Oh, that's no junk fly. That's a dream fly. It's doctor approved.
1: Mm hmm. Because you're an elitist. You hey know.